the first thing you're going to ask him. You can never answer the question, can I kill this, unless you've answered the question, what is it? Um, so we're going to talk about what it is. The unborn differs from the newborn in four ways. Um, size, level of development, environment, and degree of dependency. But are these things relevant to its status as a human being? Size. The, human, the unborn are smaller than newborns, but that sh should that have anything to do with our rights as a human being? Is a baby any less human than a toddler or a 4 foot 11 inch woman any less human than a 6 foot 7 inch man? Is a child any less human than an adult because of its size? We all start out in the womb as a pinpoint and the only thing that's added is oxygen and nutrition to grow us into a human being. The second one is level of development. The unborn are less developed than newborns, but this too is morally irrelevant. A newborn is less developed than a toddler, a toddler than an adolescent, he than an adult, but we consider them all human beings in different stages. So let's take an example. Should we kill a retarded child whose brain function is less than that of a newborn? And any positive conclusions comes from defining persons on what they can do rather than what they are. It follows then that that the ability to perform human functions is not necess a necessary condition for human personhood. We produce after like kind. Because we are people, we bear people, and we don't bear animals, dinosaurs. Rather, a person is the one with the natural inherent capacity to give rise to personal acts, even if they lack the current ability to perform those acts. People who are unconscious, like sleeping, do not have the present capacity to perform personal acts. And we wouldn't kill anybody just because they were sleeping. Environment around us. The unborn is located in a different place, but how does a change in location suddenly change a non-human entity into a human one? Do you stop being human when you're in an airplane thousands of feet above in the sky and enclosed in a, in a steel container? Where one is is no bearing on who or what one is. A child in the incubator of her mother's womb is no less a child than the one being sustained by neonatal technology. Rachel, born at 22 weeks gestation, not even six months into the pregnancy, at birth weighed less than a pound and could fit in the palm of your hand. She's now a healthy toddler. Now let's assume that instead of saving her life, the doctor came into her room and killed her while she was resting in her father's hand. We would consider that an outrage. But that very same baby girl can be killed through legalized abortion through all nine months of her pregnancy, simply because she's located six inches away in her mother's womb. Um, there was a case a couple years ago where a doctor operated on a baby in the womb. They took the baby out and they operated and put it back in. So my question is, was it not a baby in the womb? It was a baby when they operated on it. Wasn't a baby again when they put it back in and then was a baby when it was born. So the argument seems silly. Degree of dependency, and I think about it like that. If viability is what makes one human, then all those dependent on kidney machines, heart pacemakers, and insulin would have to be declared non-persons. There's no ethical difference between an unborn child who is plugged into and dependent upon its mother than a kidney patient who is plugged into and dependent upon a, um, a machine. So we see that the unborn child differs from a newborn child in only four ways. Size, size, level of development, environment, and degree of dependency. Four ways. SLED, F-L-E-D. 
So I hope this gives you something to remember the next time you're talking with coworkers or people at school and stuff about abortion, that if you can get them to agree that it's human, then you have to argue about to kill a human, and that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, I also want to just um, encourage you that the center is building an addition to its offices, and it's almost done. They're housing a used sonogram machine in there that they got and uh, going to be able to have their HOPE meetings. So if anybody wants to help out on the weekends, they're doing painting and all that stuff to finish off what needs to be finished off in a building. And um, if you ever want to help in other ways beside monetary, they can always use help with snack and babysitting at their HOPE meetings. Um, donated clothes, diapers, food, stuff like that, and help in the office. And of course, something that we can all do, and that's the most important of all, is pray for whatever God lays on your heart in that direction. And so, thank you. Cindy's been real faithful to serve over there. And we're blessed that she's, you know, in our church. Uh, and representing us well. I want to read a scripture, and we're going to do something that sort of slaps the uh, spirit of abortion in the face this morning. But the scripture is Psalm 127, verse 3. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. That's, that's what the Bible says about them. The fruit of the womb is a reward. That's wonderful, isn't it? Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. You know, I was thinking, it is immeasurable the loss that this country has incurred upon itself by killing babies. Think of all the uh, men and women, scientists, engineers, doctors, preachers, prophets, evangelists, mothers, fathers that were murdered. We'll never know this side of heaven. We'll never know. So we really, uh, it's really a, really a curse on our land, and I think we're paying for it today. And, and thank God there's people like us and like you guys um, that have given your life to Christ and would not partake in such a thing any longer. So this morning what we wanted to do is ask uh, the Sosas to come forth and <clears throat> their family. And we're going to make a dedication of a baby. We're going to dedicate a child. Uh, little Celeste Abigail Sosa. Let's give her a hand. The families. Family would like to come over here with them because this is a family thing. Um, any siblings you have, Nova, that are here? I don't know if James is James here. He was. He overslept. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> well, one of the things is is I believe the it's very biblical to dedicate a baby to the Lord publicly. In fact, I don't really understand why people don't do it. I mean. Jesus, they did it to Jesus when he was a baby. They presented him before the Lord. and So that's what we want to do today. We want to present this baby to the Lord. Now, I know the moment that they knew this child was in the womb that they gave this child to the Lord. They gave it to him personally. But now what they're doing is giving the child to him publicly. Just like as we receive Christ, it's a very personal thing. 
but there comes a time when we have to publicly acknowledge that. And that's really, in a sense, what we're doing today. We're publicly acknowledging that this child belongs to the Lord. Okay? And, and, and because we're publicly acknowledging that, we who are in here as witnesses are agreeing to stand with this family for this child. Amen? So we're not just asking uh, this family to raise this child in the Lord. We're saying to this, to this family, we want you to raise this child in the Lord, and we're going to be there for you. We're going to be there for you and stand with you in this. So, did, did anybody in the family want to say anything? you feel anything in your heart? I, got some, I want the baby, though. I was praying about this, and I wanted to do this. Lord, we present her to you. This is Celeste Abigail Sosa. May she always be the apple of your eye. And may your grace always protect her. And Lord, we ask that she would have such a heart for you that she would always remain in the pleasure of your perfect will. And that her eyes would be fixed on you and her heart would be fixed on you in such a way that she could move your heart as an intercessor and that she could affect great changes in all of the earth because of her great love for you. Amen. Okay, I want everybody to stand up and let's... Point your hands towards this child and just, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we present this baby, Celeste Abigail Sosa, to you. We give her to you all the days of her life, Father. Lord, right now we speak uh, her destiny to be released. We speak, God, her future that you have planned for her. Lord, today we declare to all kingdoms, to all powers, that this child is the Lord's. And she shall be the Lord's all the days of her life. And the people that you would have her to be connected to, that even now you would provide those people, Lord. If there's a husband in her future, Father, that even now that child would be given to the Lord. Lord, if there's, there's the friendships that she'll develop over her life, that those, those would be dedicated to the Lord. Those people she is destined to lead to Christ, that their hearts, their little hearts right now would even be prepared. We give her to you, Jesus. We speak life to her. We speak health to her. We speak joy to her. We speak fulfillment into her life today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand and the baby a hand. Amen. That's a great saint to your life thing, isn't it? <laughs> Okay, what we're going to do now is we've got one more real important announcement, but I'm going to go ahead and let the children go uh, be for them. So, uh, Lord, bless the children. Uh, bless the teachers. Thank you for the teachers. Thank you for the children. God, and in, 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 uh, we pray for a real uh, energy for the children in this church. Uh, <laughs> we believe the children are. There's a note in the bulletin that says that children are important. Uh, if you would like to have a nursery, you can. But if you'd like to have the children in here for worship, listen, we are blessed that the children would dance before the Lord. That's what we want. They're not bothering us. In fact, they're bothering us if they're not, actually. 
So we want to have a church where the little ones can feel free to worship the Lord. And I've told the parents, you know, it's up, you know, you guys need to, you know, y'all take care of your children. They're free here to worship before the Lord, though. And if you feel like they're getting out of line, you can make that judgment better than we can. So we've sort of given the parents responsibility of that. But the children are welcome. If you have a child and you really feel like they need to be in the nursery instead, we have that also. Uh, we let the parents make those those choices and those decisions. Amen? So, Jim. I'm, you know, if you didn't like worship this morning, our taste in worship is different. You know, because that was, that was really wonderful. And one of the things I love is seeing this little group of children over here worshiping before the Lord. That is just something that is extremely precious to me. Um, well, um, I came here about four years ago. Um, we moved here from Paraguay um, to serve as an associate pastor with, his, uh, with, with Calvary Community Church. And at that time, um, the game plan was basically this that I would come and serve as a part-time associate pastor. Now, that should have provoked great laughter in anyone who knows anything about it, but um, that part-time job only was about 40 or 50 hours a week, basically. And, and I received a part-time salary, like a half of my salary from Calvary Community Church. So all this time that you guys thought I was a full-time staff member, I was only a half-time staff member. Uh, and the other half of my uh, income and attention was supposed to be devoted to His Heart Missions, which was a mission organization that we founded in 1990. Um, and, and the whole plan was for me to serve here as associate pastor and develop His Heart Missions as a mission organization or a mission family, and I would eventually phase out of my responsibility to the local church and devote myself to missions. Well, after a lot of prayer individually, Byron's prayed about it and I've prayed about it and we've prayed about it together, we really feel like the time has come for me to begin to phase out of being associate pastor here at Calvary Community Church. Now, um, that doesn't mean that I'm, you're going to get rid of me that easy. Um, I'm, uh, everybody, <laughs> I don't want, you to, don't want you to get too excited. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Um, uh, we really love Calvary Community Church and, and want to continue to be a part here. This will be our home church. We'll still be here. You'll still have to put up with me. Uh, and it might even release me to, to truly be who I'm supposed to be in this congregation more. We really feel like this is a, a step forward. But I'm going to begin to devote more and more of my attention to missions. Um, the Lord has just overwhelmed me with opportunities in other nations. 
And I really do believe that my destiny and my ministry lies outside of the walls of this church. My calling in my ministry is not here, although I want to be related as a home church and as a contributing member, as like everybody else in the congregation should be active in what the Lord's doing here on a local level. But my principal calling in ministry is in the nations. Um, Wednesday, I leave to go to Poland. I'll be preaching in five or six different churches in one week in Poland. Um, then I'm going on to England, and I'll be three days with some friends of mine who are ministering to Bosnian Muslims, Bosnian Muslim refugees in London. So it'll, it'll be a two-week trip that will be real interesting for me. But um, Heidi White who, oddly enough, did not know when she suggested a fundraising banquet for His Heart Missions, you know, a sweetheart banquet. And I really do appreciate all the work she's doing. Is Heidi still in here? Where in the world? She, she's with the kids this morning. She really had no idea that I was in the process of resigning as um, pastor, as associate pastor here. And so that means that we're going to be phasing my salary out, too. So this is like a big uh, step of faith for me uh, because we're just, you know, sort of stepping out, just believing the Lord's going to provide for us in, in some way. And He has been real faithful for a real long time to me. And so once you determine that something really is the Lord... It always requires a crisis of faith. And it, I always thought that it would get easier. You know, after 25 years in ministry, you'd expect it just to be, oh, well, you know, casually, yeah, I'll take that step of faith. But um, I want to ask you to really be praying for us as we do this. Um, but right now, His Heart Missions is active and different things in six different nations. Um, and so I'm, it's like I've got to devote my attention there. It's just a refocusing of, of my energies and things. But uh, these scriptures that Heidi read are very real to me. They come from Psalm 33. See, I get real emotional about this stuff. Because you see these pretty flags hanging around the room? When we talk about ministering in the nations and being called to the nations, it's not an abstract concept to me. That flag from Belize over there represents the Jaegers, who Maureen Jaeger just found out she has cancer. They're missionaries who have an art and drama ministry in Belize that is so excellent, it's recognized by the government as the best performing arts program in the entire nation. And uh, the Argentine flag over there represents numerous people to me. It's not abstract concepts. It's people I know personally who have asked me to come and help them. It says, let all the earth fear the Lord. 
Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing and he makes the plans of the peoples no effect. But the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Those are scriptures that the Lord's made very real to me. And I believe that my calling and my destiny and my purpose is to pursue ministry in the nations. And I have these promises that before I die, His heart missions will have 100 missionary teams ministering in the nations of the world. So at my age, I can't dawdle. I've got to be about my father's business. So I would just appreciate your prayers and support. And no, you're not going to get rid of me that easy. Because this is still home. I'll probably cry. <laughs> but uh, when we first went on the mission field, all of our support came from one church, or most of it did. And when things fell apart there, Becky and Byron really sacrificed for us. I just want to acknowledge that in front of all of you guys. Because if it wasn't for them and uh, several of the people that they uh, became part of a, a church, I don't know, you started like a meeting again, I guess Cornerstone, there's a whole history, but if they hadn't gone out on the limb and done that, I mean, we couldn't have stayed, we could not have stayed, and then, once again, you know, not to mention the fact that they gave all their frequent flyers to come down and take care of Jim and I, but we were desperately falling apart one of the times down there in Paraguay, one of the many times, <laughs> and then when we needed to come home, there they were again. And all of you guys, thank you so much. We'll be we're going to be praying for Jim and Kathy uh, at, at the end of the service, uh, sending Jim to Poland. Uh, this trip is uh, partially self-centered for the church. Uh, remember Arthur and Joanna? He's going over there to make sure those pastors and family don't think we're trying to pull the wool over their eyes by getting them to come back here. <laughs> That's part of it. And then the Lord has some some connections that Jim needs to make over there for future ministry in Poland and Russia. So we want to do that. But, um, you know, one of the questions everybody asks, what are we going to do about associate pastor? Well, you know what we're going to do right now? We're not going to worry about it. We're going to just seek the Lord and enjoy what the Lord's doing. Uh, as Jim phases out, we'll see what God shows us. You know, I'm not in a hurry for doing anything. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, very comfortable. This is the Lord's will for Jim. This is the Lord's will for, for the body here. And uh, I just believe that God has a plan. And I'm not real anxious about any of it. Uh, Jim's probably more anxious because, you know, like he said, he's got to deal with the finances. So I want to ask you to pray about if you're supposed to personally support His Heart Missions. Just ask the Lord. 
If you're not, that's okay. Uh, you can ask God to get the hard head next to you, get through to that person so they would. If you know uh, people who that you would like to, you know, family, uh, other churches that you're connected with that you would like to share the vision with, uh, Jim can give you some information, and you could give it to them. If they're interested, you can put them in contact with Jim. Um, Jim's not the kind of guy who goes out and begs for money. He's not going to ever do that. Uh, even if he's starving, we'll have to go there and bring him groceries and stuff. <laughs> but you know what? If this is the Lord, the Lord's going to take care of it like he always has. That's what they said. And so that's what we're believing for. Amen? So it's a good thing. I really believe it's the Lord, and I'm excited about it, and we're going to... We're not just going to cut Jim off like, oh, two-week notice, you're out of here, pal. You know, no more pay. We're, let me show you something. This is, what, this is the one thing I feel like the Lord did tell me that was right. Everything, you, know, you, you know how you say stuff and God says, that wasn't me. <laughs> Why are you saying that? But one thing I did feel like the Lord did show me was right. Concerning, uh, uh, just concerning, you know, his, his income and from the church and from his heart. The left hand is the his heart income for Jim right now, okay? This, this is his, his income. My right hand is going to be our income as associate pastor. Y'all with me now? I'm going to set the microphone down. You see that? You understand what that means? As God brings increase here, we'll bring it down. Okay? Is that, is that a good thing to do? And that will help. You know, they want to, you know, this is faith. And it takes the Lord to do this. Uh, but that's, that's how I believe God wants us to handle this. And... And I believe, you know, before Jim ever came here, you know, maybe a month after I even came to this church when it was pretty devastated, it was uh, the Lord gave a word that this was to be a mission church. And uh, I believe this is just one more step to help us as a church to become the church of the Great Commission that we're, we're called to be, to really go to the nations, go to our city, go to our neighbors all over the earth, wherever that may be, you know. So we, we really feel a responsibility and a charge from the Lord to to take care of our next-door neighbors, to take care of our city, take care of our state, take care of our nation, and to take care of the nations of the world. And I, what I mean by that, by giving them the gospel. And so that's really one of Jim's big role is the gospel to the nations. Amen? Everybody with me? Everybody say praise the Lord. Good. All right, everybody stand up for a minute. Shake off the dust. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for all you're doing. Thank you that today's sanctity of life, life means something to you. And God, I'm going to tell you something. It means something to us because one thing we're not interested in is coming to a dead church. And we want life. That's what we want. Lord, we're not interested in doing dead works out there in the world. Uh, we're interested in doing living works. Amen. Lord, we're not interested in hearing dead worship, hearing dead preaching, or being dead. We want to be alive. Lord, if there's somebody in this room this morning that has not been born again, I ask you today that they would get born again. That they would get saved. Lord, I ask you if there's anybody here that has fallen away, who has walked away from the God that they once knew, that they would come to their senses today and they would return and they would see the Father getting just wild and happy about them. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you love people. That you just care about, even when they're messed up, you're still wanting to be around them. Thank you that Jesus hung around lost people. Thank you that Jesus hung around the unsaved. Thank you that Jesus hung around the low-level guys. 
He just didn't hobnob with the, the characters down there in the temple. He went out amongst the people. And he hung around with tax collectors and old demon-possessed people and prostitutes, people who, did, who we wouldn't want to be even seen with. And he went to those people because he loved them. God put that in us, Lord. And God, for every person in this room who doesn't know in their hearts that you love them and you're excited about them and the place they're at today, that, that you are not even thinking about what they're doing, you're just thinking about them, God. That it would be made real in their life. There is a God in heaven who says to you today, I like you the way you are. I love you. And I want to be with you. And what you're doing is not the issue at this moment. The issue is, let me get near to you. Let me show you how much I love you. And we'll take care of all that other stuff. We'll take care of the bad habits. We'll take care of the bad thoughts. We'll fix that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, amen. Hallelujah. Save the lost. And Lord, we even pray right now for our neighbors. Father, I just, just think about your neighbor a minute. Just think about them and lift them up to Jesus. The lost ones, the saved ones, whatever. Just think about your neighbors, one or two or three or whatever. Just think about them houses. Think about those people. Think about maybe somebody at work. Think about somebody at school. Just think. Or maybe even, you know, if, if there's a burden on a lost family member this morning, just see their... See their face or see their house or see their car or see them at work, whatever, in your mind and say Jesus to them. Jesus! 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Well, that's how people get saved. Somebody yells Jesus at them. And somehow it affects them. Well, I have a really... uh. Uh, sort of a short message this morning uh, to sort of connect with what Jim. It sort of connects with what Jim has announced. So I want you to turn your Bibles to two places: Psalm 133, uh, verse, and that's just Psalm 1 through 3. And then hold that, hold your finger there in Ephesians 4. Uh, and I'm going to read, and then you can jump over there right quick, and we'll read that one. And then there's a couple more things we'll look at, and then maybe the Lord will. Do something more. Ephesians, Ephesians four. I'm gonna read verse fifteen and sixteen, and Psalm one thirty-three. Hold your finger at Psalm one thirty-three. I'll just give you a chance, everybody, to find that. These new thin Bibles that we got. I mean, going to the thin Bible because it's so light. And, you know, when you get old, you get weak. You get carried, tired of carrying these old giant Bibles, and so. But the thing is, is you can be looking up uh, Psalms, and the next thing you know, you're in Genesis. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't, you can't. And it's a little bit harder to manage these Bibles. But 